I just interviewed uh, Jim Messina a couple of weeks ago, and it was a, a I don't know, it was a couple of days before you, the release of your book, and I said, are we going to read a lot of trash about you, Jim, in, uh, in Kenny's book? And he said, you might. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I haven't gotten to any uh, Jim Messina big trash yet. No, it's, there's no big trash. You know, I've sent him the chapters that were Loggins and Messina chapters uh, before I sent it into the publisher. But I, I didn't say, oh, you can rewrite this. I just said, <laughs> if, if you have issues with this, yeah. let me know because you know, we can talk about it. As a courtesy. Hi there, and welcome in to a brand new week of Celebrity Salute. Dedicated to the men and women who serve our country in active duty, our veterans, and their families. We're here for you. God bless you. We love you. On each episode, we look for people and stories with some connection to these heroes. I am Randy Miller. Kenny Loggins is a legendary guitarist, singer, and songwriter who's been doing it for almost five decades. His early songs, which led to seven albums as Loggins and Messina from 1972 to 1977, with his solo career, Kenny is also known as the king of the movie soundtrack, including an Academy Award nomination for Footloose in 1985. He's won a Daytime Emmy Award, two Grammys, a Tony Award, and a Golden Globe. He's one of the biggest stars of Yacht Rock, and we're excited to have Kenny Loggins right here on Celebrity Salute. And man, I'm so excited. This guy, I have been a fan uh, of Kenny Loggins for such a long time, and it's so great to have him on the program. Kenny, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Are you currently in the danger zone? No, thank God. We're, we're <laughs> safely out of it for the next hour. Good. Listen, I have been playing your songs on radio stations around this great country of ours for many, many years. And I do want to just thank you because finally, you know, you guys, Loggins and Messina, were the ones that came out with an eight or nine minute song and uh, gave us a chance to to run to the restroom or do whatever we needed to do. So thank you. Uh, do whatever you needed to do. Yeah, exactly. Well, and you you reference that in your book too. I'm about I'm listening to uh, uh, the audio book uh, of your memoir, and mm-hmm. it is fantastic. I'm about halfway through, and you talk about that in your book, which you are. Uh, how long did it take you to write that book? You're very candid. Uh, it took uh, the better part of a year. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, just you do such a great job, and you do a great job reading it as well. Oh, thank you. I mean, yeah, that I had to learn how to do. That was on the job training. I'll bet. I'll bet. I had to do. I, I figured out after about a chapter, I figured out that I needed an iPad <laughs> with the whole book on the iPad, and then I used green green markers, yellow markers, orange markers, all virtual, so that. I knew where my emphasis had to be. Right, right. Not so the I, emphasis in the you, wrong syllable. Exactly. Right. After after fifteen twenty minutes, you're on autopilot. Yeah, it, it, it's so it's so good though. Uh, I've just finished the part where you're talking about uh, uh, you know girls coming and knocking on your door at uh, three in the morning, hotel rooms, and 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 then just you know how old that got. That had to get so old, Kenny. It, 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 well, it didn't. It didn't get old quick, <laughs> but it did after a while. Not sleeping is a drag. Right, um, right. Well, what a year for uh, Kenny Loggins, huh? I mean, gosh. So you're on tour, Danger Zone, back in the Top Gun Maverick, and and now you've released this memoir, uh, Still All Right, which is is so cool. And now you're uh, you're teaming up with uh, Jim Messina again for this great show at the Hollywood Bowl. 
uh, on July 15th and 16th. Uh, how does all of that feel? It's, it's, it's whelming. <laughs> and sometimes, and sometimes overwhelming. Uh, I, I mean, the the Hollywood Bowl gig. I mean, the when you did sitting in your first album with uh, Jim Messina, that was fifty years ago. Is that can that even be true? Seventy one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just interviewed uh, Jim Messina a couple of weeks ago, and it was a, a I don't know. It was a couple of days before you, the release of your book, and I said, are we going to read a lot of trash about you, Jim, in, uh, in Kenny's book? And he said, you might. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I haven't gotten to any uh, Jim Messina big trash yet. No, it's, there's no big trash. You know, I've sent him the chapters that were Loggins and Messina chapters uh, before I sent it into the publisher. But I, I didn't say, oh, you can rewrite this. I just said, <laughs> if, if you have issues with this, yeah. let me know because we can talk about it. As a courtesy. It's a courtesy. Yes. Where I did a little more with my ex-wives. I actually <laughs> sent them the chapters and said, if there's anything in here you hate, let me know and I'll reword it. Okay. Uh, last thing I need is to be back on the war path with my ex <laughs> Right. No, no, nobody needs that. Well, uh, you know, it's it's funny uh, when you're talking about Jim Messina and uh, when you guys first got together, um, what a what a magical situation that had become. And I, I didn't realize that when you first got together, that was supposed to be a Kenny Loggins individual project, right? Right. Jimmy was signed to... Clive Davis and Columbia Records as a producer. He'd quit Poco, wanted off the road, and wanted to stay home and make records. And he was very good at that. And um, I was looking for a producer, so I auditioned ostensibly originally as an artist looking for a producer. And we started started into that idea just by making some demos of my material that he would then send to Clive Davis, and Clive would go yes or no. And then in the process of making up arrangements, we did an arrangement on one of his tunes called Peace of Mind, which I sang on, on the Sitting In album. It was the last time that Kenny Loggins would sing a Jimmy Messina song because <laughs> from that point on, you know, we were becoming a duo. And then with the success, the initial meteoric success of Loggins and Messina, right. uh, Clive said, okay, I'm not... I'm not promoting this record unless I can get a promise of six albums from from an official duo. And so we went, well, okay, we're having fun. Let's keep going. Well, and then it got a little rocky. I mean, you're 21 years old. You're 21 years old. You're brand new to everything, right? I mean, uh, you're, you're, you're out of high school. Uh, you're writing songs. And then all of a sudden, like you talked about, it's this meteoric rise. And Kenny, you know, Loggins and Messina are everywhere. And, uh, and and then came the business part of it, and it sounded like uh, you you kind of got taken care of uh, by not not only by Clive Davis but by Jim. Well, it, are you being? Uh, how are you using the term "taken care of"? Well, taking advantage of, I guess I, I admit. Okay, yeah. but I just wanted to make sure which yeah. way you were using. Yeah, it. Well, I mean, I mean that, very naive. You can you can use it both ways, really, because. On many levels, I was being taken care of. Jimmy was definitely my mentor, but but Jimmy had an opportunity to renegotiate his artist deal now, being out of his Poco deal, with a successful band. I mean, how often do you right. get to be in the catbird seat like right. that? Right. Uh, where we're selling buckets of you know boatloads of records, right. and he's going back to Clive and saying, "Well, if you want Loggins and Messina, 
here's what you got to do. Right. And he's got one of the toughest lawyers in L.A. working with him. <laughs> the problem was that that the inequality of Loggins and Messina was really putting a nail in the coffin because right. what was supposed to happen in the perfect world was that my lawyer would then go, okay, Kenny's not going to record until you make their deals equitable. But they actually encouraged the, they being Columbia Records, actually encouraged the inequity of the deals by telling him and his lawyer, you cannot tell Kenny Loggins what we gave you. So right there, it, it sows the seeds of distrust. Yeah, it, it really And it, it's the beginning of the end. And, and you would think a record company would want, you know, even though they didn't get the perfect deal that they would have wanted had he not been in that position, you still want the band to stay together. You, you to negotiate a deal that creates inequity, inequality, and then and then pit them against each other is not going to keep that band together. Yeah, and you, that, you, I just want to be clear that's not why I left. Right, right. Yeah, and uh, uh, I mean, and obviously you guys. Uh, I mean, you're getting ready to perform again at the Hollywood Bowl, so you know everything is uh, is is a lot better now. Obviously, um, and you. I, the story of you guys, uh, of you, Kenny, uh, <laughs> filling in for the electric prunes. That was so <laughs> great. Because I think I think it's easy for people to think about your musical journey and say, that guy had it made. I, I mean, he's, you know, he, had, he hit song after hit song and he goes in there and he, and he does it and they take care. But I mean, it was a rocky start, especially with the electric prunes, right? Yeah, that was a questionable choice. <laughs> I, I was uh, in second year of City College, and I got a call from Jeremy Stewart, who was a music uh, writer and arranger in Hollywood. And he said, I've been asked to be the new MD for the Electric Prunes, and would you like to be involved? And I said, well, do I have to play their songs? And he said, no, we don't, we don't have to play their songs. We can reinvent the music of that band. I said, well, let's give it a try. So I joined over the phone from the quad at City College, Pasadena. And then uh, next thing I know, we're on the road. And it was not all it's cracked up to be. The people showing and up to see the electric prunes. They're showing up to see the electric prunes. That's, I had too much to dream last night to get me the world on time. Uh, uh, mass in F minor. We had nuns coming to the show, <laughs> you know, but, but I don't know how that went over, but I think they left early too. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm in the middle of the show, Jeremy decides, well, Kenny's stuff always works. Kenny, you go out there alone and do three songs alone in the middle of the show. Right, right. So I got to watch the people leave. <laughs> I played Danny's song and House of Pooh Corner and things that would later on become, you know, important songs in my career. Right, were, right. You know, not worth the powder to blow them up. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, we're talking to Kenny Loggins here in the National Defense. Uh, were, how surprised were you, or maybe not surprised at all, um, when Danger Zone came out in the Top Gun Maverick about your streaming numbers? They exploded. No, totally surprised. I mean, I expected some reaction, but I figured that because it's a new movie with new music, the new music would come in and take take over. But the legacy continues because, right. as Tom said to me, danger, it wouldn't be Top Gun without Danger Zone. And it really, the two are inextricable now. They're, they're so connected that one conjures the other. 
you know, which I love. Y- absolutely. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it went through the roof. And just to have Tom uh, come and say that to you uh, and, and how important that was, that had to be a, a big moment. But I mean, you've had plenty of big moments. Uh, I mean, you, you know, you guys invented a genre. You invented a genre, but you also encouraged a lot of guys with long hair and a guitar to go to their girlfriend's house and try to sing songs like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, a couple of genres right there. Yeah, right. But uh, but you but you've kind of constantly been uh, reinventing yourself too, right? That's you know I I always called it a moving target because uh, I I couldn't hold still. I think the problem was that I had two big brothers. And they liked different kinds of music, and I loved them both, and I loved the music they were turning me on to. So I could do the Tim Harden, countrified, folky thing, which I loved, right. you know, that, and that was sort of from Dylan on through. Uh, but then I also, my, my big brother Danny was turning me on to R&B and early rock and roll, you know, everything from Chuck Berry and Little Richard on through even later on when the Beach Boys showed up, that was sure. a big thing for Danny to, you know, and all those harmonies that influenced the intro to whenever I call you friend. Oh, wow. So the music that comes through shows up sooner or later. Well, you know, um, I, I mentioned that uh, I, I've been, well, I, I've been fired from a lot of radio stations, not for playing your music, but <laughs> Thank in, you in the middle talking. of playing your music. And uh, so now I host this show called The National Defense, which is uh, dedicated to our uh, armed forces uh, around the world and to all the veterans and their families. And I'm sure that you've had the chance to entertain just about everywhere, right? Well, you know, my career was not as worldwide as it could have been. Um, because Loggins and Messina took off so fast that the manager saw that the money was going to be made in the States. And that if we were to go outside, like to Europe or whatever, you have to start over. Mm. And you're not going to make the kind of money that you can bring your band with you. So you have to start over with a reduced group. And they just felt like, Let's that'll wait. Let's wait on that and just keep exploiting the United States right, for whatever right, money we yeah. make. And here we are, twenty-two years old. I got nobody to spend it on. Right. You know. Right. It's like, what? It, all of a sudden, all this money's coming in. What are you going to do with it? And and it just made sense. And and my business manager said, take your time moving up. You know, in the expense world. Right. Because it's really hard to move back down. But so you, let's wait and see if this money's going to last. But you did buy that BMW. You had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the way you went about it, as you as you talk about it in your book. Uh, you went to a uh, a NASCAR driver. Is that right? Right. He was. Uh, he, he came to a show, and he was a, a buddy of a friend of mine from college, and and we hung out. We just started hanging out, and then about an hour worth of drinking. And I said, uh, "Well, if you could have any car." streetcar, what would you have? And he said, BMW three liter coupe, which was the epitome of, you know, sure. fine oh, yeah. German craftsmanship. And so I just picked up the phone and called my business manager, left a message. It was probably two in the morning. <laughs> a drunken, <laughs> a drunken, message. a drunken Kenny Loggins on the phone. They're acting, buy me, find me a, a BMW three liter coupe. And, uh, and so she did, she called the next day and she said, I found one and it's wow. in Arizona. Oh, wow. And they don't deliver. And and you do not have that car today. Unfortunately, no. I, but a friend of mine found it. 
Really? They, yeah, they found it. It was re re kind of rebuilt. You know, right, right. The first thing the first thing that car did when I sold it to my agent was he was driving down the freeway and the sunroof popped off. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I got out from under that one quick enough. Right, right. But, oh, that's so but good. It's all been rebuilt and, you know, <laughs> it, has, it has my credentials on it. Well, Kenny, we do, uh, with, our, with our audience, uh, we do a regular feature called Got Your Six. And uh, six rapid fire questions. So I'm ready for Got Your Six for Kenny Loggins. Are you ready? Thanks for warning me. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're easy. So after you did okay. I'm All Right for Caddyshack, how many stuffed gophers did you get from around the world? About a thousand. Did you really? <laughs> Tell us one thing about Jim Messina that nobody else knows. The first thing I thought of, I don't dare say out loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, we're one month apart. You know, well, that's nobody knows. Well, that's probably information everybody has. What? We were born only one month apart. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Danger Zone is, of course, synonymous with Top Gun. What is the most dangerous thing you've ever done? Well, I'm nowhere up there with you guys, that's for sure. Um, uh, it would be wood carving. Wood, well, okay. I mean, there's some danger to that. The knife slipped right. and cut into my hand, cut the nerve sheath, and, and I haven't been able to play the guitar anywhere near where I could when I was oh, wow. at 27. Well, now you're, you are responsible for a lot of tears through your music. When is the last time you cried? <laughs> Probably yesterday. Really? Uh, the older I get, the softer. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm just right. an old softy. I, you can't, know? I, I, can't, I can't watch a, uh, a toilet paper commercial. <laughs> I can't make what it through. What dog food commercials make me cry? <laughs> right. You know, like, you know, I don't know. There's just, I don't know exactly why. I think it's, it's partly a reminiscing kind of thing right. about things that happen. I have a chapter in the book about saving Darla's life. You remember yeah. the girl who, when yeah. I broke up with her, she went out on the beach and tried to commit suicide. Right. And that's a very difficult story for me to tell mm -hmm. without feeling the tears behind <clears throat> the intensity of that loss. Well, she didn't die, but I mean that. Yeah. That experience. Well, you know, uh, that's what I love about your book too, is it, it it's a lot of reminiscing for me, uh, you know, growing up in that era and, and hearing those stories and just, just kind of, uh, just kind of, uh, craving those simpler times. Yeah. You know? I think that's probably the norm for every generation. Yeah. yeah I think so. Well, you know, you, my you, dad loved big band music. Oh Frank yeah. Sinatra, yeah. Bing Crosby and, you know, and he said, well, what are you guys going to sing when you get older? You know, you don't have the music we had. It's right, like, well, right. Maybe I'll write some of that. Yeah, yeah, but Kenny Loggins' music you have in every single generation. So, you know, they can't <laughs> say that about it. You talk a lot about smoking the ganja in your book. What is your favorite kind of weed? Is it sativa or indica? Depends on what I'm doing it for. Ah, right. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> Sativa is for a fun time and Indica's for sleep. Nighty night. Yep. Right. Uh, you won a Daytime Emmy Award, two Grammy Awards, nominated for an Academy Award, a Tony Award, and a Golden Globe. What award would you give yourself as a father? Ooh. Would have to do some, it'd have to be somewhat nonconformist. Yeah, I like that. My, my, my parenting is not father knows best. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, um, <laughs> I could tell you a story and I, there would definitely be some blowback from it. But when my daughter was, my oldest daughter was at Wesleyan, which is a fantastic college known for guest lecturers and, right. and incredible teachers. And she was taking a very light class load. And I told her, I'll put it in a nutshell because I know time is an issue. But I told her that I'd gone to a party where they were passing out LSD from from Osley himself. And because I was already high, I figured I'd just put it in my shirt and wait for another appropriate time. Well, it came around to where, you know, a couple hours later, the guy from San Francisco who'd brought the, the LSD down said, dude, what do you want? <laughs> are you a, are you a narc? I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm totally blown everybody's mind right now because they're on some level that I have no clue about. Right, right. So I got up to leave and everybody applauded. So I told my daughter, the moral of that story is when you go to the party, take the acid. <laughs> So that, that's that, not your normal parental advice. You know, that should be on a on, on a, a pillow or a T-shirt somewhere. I mean, that, <laughs> just that slogan. I just, I love, I love, but I love that, Kenny, because uh, it's like my kids. I've got, I've got two daughters and one is an artist and one's a musician. And because their dad never had a real job, uh, that's kind of my parenting approach as well. I uh -huh. love that because they, they, they're, they're living their own lives and, and their own passions, right? Right. I, my, my primary thing, which you probably saw in the book, is follow the fun. Yeah, exactly. A, a version of exactly. Follow your heart. Um, yeah. And it, the thing that I, I can't understand, and maybe you've been asked this a million times, uh, Celebrate Me Home, is it, is, it a, is it a holiday song? Is it an all-year-round song? What is it? I, I, it's, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. Thank you. It's, it's an all-year-round song, but it has been adopted as a, a, a holiday song because of the opening line, Home for the Holidays. I was, I was finishing the song. I'd already written it somewhat with Bob James. And we were in New York about to start recording. And, and I played it for Phil Ramone and Phil said, dude, that's, I said, celebrate me home. That's like a work lyric, like scrambled eggs was the title right. of yesterday right. for McCartney. I said, I, I'll write something that makes more sense. And he said, no, that makes total sense, man. I want you to go up into my office and finish the song. Now it's a, it's, it's about what you're saying. So it was about December 10th or something, and I really wanted to go home for Christmas. So I wrote the opening line, Home for the Holidays. And that's what took me into the Celebrate Me Home. What a great song. Well, I, I gotta be honest with you about something, if you'll just indulge me. So we're based in Kansas City, Missouri. And I don't know you, if you, how much you know about the Kansas City Chiefs, but we have a sensational quarterback here by the name of Patrick Mahomes, yeah. right? Right. So, so we put together a song, a little video, based on celebrate, you. celebrate Mahomes, celebrate Mahomes. Mahomes is going to keep it. Mahomes easily picks up the first down. Kingdom with all my friends. 
so fun. Kenny, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for the great music over the years and have a great time with, uh, with Jim at the Hollywood bowl, man. That's going to be a fantastic couple of nights. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You've been listening to celebrity salute. Celebrity salute is produced by brainstorm media and distributed by national defense network with host Randy Miller and executive produced by Nate Heron. Be sure to visit us at nationaldefensenetwork.com. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also say, Alexa, play the National Defense Network podcast.